unfortunately, you've got me again this morning. Um, I'm just going to share a few thoughts. I'm not going to really preach. I just want to, um, I think the words encourage you in the church as we move forward. Uh, a few weeks ago, during an, uh, the morning meeting, Michelle shared uh, a couple of verses from Nehemiah. And uh, at the time, I was thinking about what I was going to say, and I was, I was looking through exactly the same passage. And so I thought, well, there you are. Uh, that's what we'll, we'll share this morning, and uh, just a few thoughts from that. And I'm going to read from Nehemiah. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. If you can find Nehemiah, sort of in the middle-ish. And it's Nehemiah chapter 3, and it's one of those portions to start with where you get the names. So you'll have to bear with me. They don't have uh, West Brom names in, uh, in the Old Testament, so... If you pr pronounce things differently, well, God bless you. <laughs> so, uh, Nehemiah chapter 3. It says, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of, of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Meramoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jisana gate was repaired by Jawida, son of Pasia, and Meshulam, son of Besadoya. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon, and Mizpah. Melatoya of Gibeon and Jadon of Meronoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harahoyah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, the son of Harumath, made repairs opposite his house. And Hattush, the son of Ahasbaniah, made repairs next to him. Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pathav, Moab, repaired another section and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And just over into chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. 
Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with the spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah, who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man with the, who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Amen. Some interesting names there, weren't there? And, uh, isn't it good when you, when you come across these lists of names in the Bible? And uh, especially the ones that you, you can't pronounce. No matter how many times you look at it and you try to put the letters together, you think... How on earth do you say that? And, uh, and we're often told that when you get these lists of names, you know, you go through chronicles, don't you? And it's just like name after name after name after name. And uh, you wonder, well, why? why? Why are they there like that? Why such detail? And we're often told that it's there to remind us that God is interested in every detail and every individual is important to him. You know, so you get those names and, you know, it's worth, remember when you get one that you can't say very well, think, yeah, well, God knew him, God knew his name and uh, he didn't have a problem saying it. So it's interesting, it's good that God knows each and every one and is interested in all the detail. And uh, throughout the account, we see that people were there from all walks of life, weren't they? They got various skills. There were the goldsmiths, there was the perfume maker, the high priest and uh, his fellow priests, and uh, there were men and women. You know, we, we read there was the dad and his daughters. They were all there. And they're certainly not trained in building work, were they? Can't imagine the high priest was, you know, normally used to putting, you know, bricks together. But they were all willing to get stuck in and to get the hands dirty because they knew the work uh, would need it to be done. But then we read in verse 5 uh, that uh, the men of Tekoa, they were building, the, uh, building the, the wall. It says, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. And there's a bit for the Bible study, isn't it? Why do you think that was? Why didn't they, the, the nobles uh, put, their, you know, put their back into it? Uh, were they just idle? Or was it pride? You know, did they consider that, uh, you know, manual labour was something beneath them? You know, we were the nobles, we're the ones that, that run things, we were the, the ones that tell people what to do. Uh, and they didn't want to get their hands dirty and it was something beneath them. But Jesus gave us that example, didn't he? When he washed his disciples' feet. You know, the King of Heaven was willing to perform the task of a lowly servant. 
And Paul writes in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 7, he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And it's interesting, you've got all these names in that passage, and they're all written down there, you know, what they did, how they did it, you know, exactly what they did. And they've gone down in history for the work and the, the effort that they were willing to put in. But these nobles have been put down in history for what they didn't do. You know, they're remembered for, if you like, their failings. And it's good for us, isn't it, to think about that. You know, how, how do we want our history to be recorded? What do we want our history to, to say about us? Is it what we've done or what we've not done? And we see by the meticulous records that were made how important it was that each group and every individual was to Nehemiah, how important they were for him and how much he valued each and every one of them. And God values each individual and he exhorts us to do the same, to value one another. Everyone has a part to play in the work here in Hope Church. Every one of us has something that God wants us to do. We've heard many times over, Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, doesn't he? That we're all part of that one body. We've all got different functions, but we're all equally necessary and we're all of equal value. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you're at the front giving the word or whether you're picking the bits up off the floor. It's all important and it's all necessary and it's all of equal value. You know, if Jesus was willing to, to wash his disciples' feet, then, you know, that's the value he places on, on each and every one of us. When I uh, first became a Christian, many, many years ago, it was in another church, uh, and I think it's still the same in, in a lot of churches nowadays, there was a, a progression of service through the church as you grew up. And... Uh, the first step was normally to, to teach in the Sunday school class. And the second was to be uh, part of the welcoming group on the doors, you know, greeting people and giving out the hymn books as they came in. But, you know, thinking about it, if, if there was a scale of importance in the work of the church, then I believe that certainly those two functions should be closer to the top of the scale, uh, not, uh, not the first things you do. After all, you know, should we entrust the teaching of our children to people that have only just come to faith and that perhaps haven't uh, really got into the word themselves? You know, it's important what we teach our children, isn't it? They need to know the truths. Uh, and certainly the ones that are on the doors. You know, when somebody new comes in especially, uh, they need to be made to feel welcome and that they're wanted here and they want to come in. Those first few seconds that somebody comes through the doors will make a difference into what they think about the church experience, doesn't it? You know, if they're not invited in with a real welcome, uh, that puts a dampener on things straight away, doesn't it? And I know God and the Spirit can really move in people's lives when they come in, but, you know, if they're not made to feel welcome in, this, in the start, then uh, the Holy Spirit's got a, a lot more difficult job to do, hasn't he? 
So Nehemiah valued everyone, everyone that was there. He valued them equally. And God values everyone. And uh, the leadership of this church value everyone that's here. And uh, we need as fellow workers together to value each other in what we're doing and thank each other for what each one does. I didn't give you a title when I started, did I? But anyway, my title is, Where, where is Your Work? And where, when we look at where the people were building and where they were working, uh, we see Nehemiah was quite astute in what he, he did. He assigned people to areas that were close to their heart and it had some relevance to them. Uh, we see that the priests were working on the sheep gate. Uh, and the sheep gate was where the sheep, obviously, went into Jerusalem on their way to the temple to be sacrificed. So the priests had got an interest in that. You know, they, they were doing the sacrifices. They were interested in, you know, where the sheep came in. Uh, the men of Jericho, they were working on the northeast corner of the, of the city. And Jericho was just to the northeast of Jerusalem. So it was close to where they, they lived. And, uh, you know, it was... A, Obviously, you know, they'd like to work close to where they were. And other groups, as we, if you, you read through the account, they were in different areas of the, uh, around the city, and they were close to their hometowns, where their families were, where uh, they got a real uh, heart for their families and their own townships. So they worked close to the wall. You know, it was no good encouraging somebody to uh, live in the bottom corner and say, well, can you, can you walk to the top corner and, and build there and then walk all the way home again afterwards? So it was, you know, it was just sensible, wasn't it? You know, get people to do something that's close to their own hearts and where, uh, where they really felt comfortable doing it. And as I mentioned earlier, each one of us has got a gift in the church, haven't we? And if God's given you a heart and an ability to, to talk to children, if you can get down to their level, uh, then I'd encourage you to seek to do a work in that area first. You know, speak to those that are looking after the children. Maybe you're like me, you're older in years and you can identify the folks that are a bit older and uh, understand uh, their difficulties. So, you know, work with people that you can identify with. Maybe you've got a gift of hospitality, you know, you like cooking, you like making cakes and things like that. Not everybody can do it, can't they? Not everybody's got the resources to do it. But if that's something that God's put on your heart, then use that as a work for God. Whatever the resources God has got, given you, use it in that area first. And when the people had completed that bit of the wall that they'd started on, well, then they moved into other areas. They went and helped somebody else out. So I'd encourage us all to do that. Start where God has placed us first, given the gifts to do it, and help out in other areas as well. Don't try to do something that God hasn't asked you to do in the first place. We don't have to travel miles to serve God, do we? Some might be called to go to the ends of the earth, uh, like Simon was called to go to, uh, to India. And in that case, 
those people will know where God wants them to be. He'll make the, the pathway for them uh, and he'll make it able for them to do that. And we need to support those that have been called in that way and to serve in that way. As we said, uh, we've got people like Philip uh, in Macedonia uh, and the Corridinis in Spain. And we need to support these folks in prayer and, and financially where we can if they've been called into those areas of service. Many years ago, um, again, yeah, long time ago, there used to be a, every year in Wensbury Town Hall, there used to be a missionary conference where missionaries from across the world would come and they would give their reports, uh, what they'd been doing, where, they, where they'd been working, and it was a good time for them to, to share and obviously to encourage other people if God was speaking to them, that, you know, to help them uh, along that way as well. And uh, it was interesting to hear some of the, the stories that they'd encountered along the way. And uh, we had a friend who worked with a, a tribe in the Amazon rainforest. And uh, during her lifetime there, she translated the, the Bible into um, their own language. Uh, and she very often, you know, when we got together, she'd share stories about things that had been going on. And uh, some nice, some not so nice. But not everybody's called to do that, are they? You know, sometimes you say, oh, yeah, it'd be great to be called to go and uh, be a missionary in uh, a nice warm country. But then you think, well, when you look on the news, you see, you know, well, that's where they have the, all the hurricanes and the earthquakes and things like that. Um, it's not always uh, good places to be, is it? And that's not God's plan for everyone. In verse 10, we read that Jediah worked opposite his house. And in, uh, in verse 23, Benjamin and Hashub, they worked outside the front door and next door. And we, we've realised that over the last 18 months, haven't we, that uh, with all the restrictions, that the work of the church doesn't have to be centred here on Marsh Lane, does it? Wherever people were, that was where church is. It's in our own street. It's at the end of the telephone. Perhaps the neighbour next door. Or, you know, connect with folks on Zoom. The important thing is to serve with the best of our ability wherever God's placed us and use the gift that, uh, that he's given us to do it with. We all know the scripture in Acts 1 and 8 is where Jesus, before he returns to the Father, says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jerusalem comes first, and our Jerusalem is, is where we are where we live, start there and then spread out, you know, start in our own homes, in the shop where you go, you know, we, we do our, the, the local shop where we go, you know, meet with the folks there, where we work, you know, you've got a captive audience, haven't you, in, in, uh, in your workplace for sort of eight hours a day, start witnessing there and uh, sharing what you can. If we make disciples in those areas, then they will go and do the same where they live, won't they? You know, they'll share with their neighbours, their workplace, their shops. And so the gospel will be spread in that way. We don't have to go miles and miles. Uh, we start in our own locality. 
My final thought on this passage is that where the work is progressing, there will be opposition. If we read in uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were angry. In fact, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. When they heard that the walls were being built, they planned to invade it. They planned to knock it down, to destroy it, to cause problems and disruption in it all. And when we make advances into the enemy positions, we will see opposition. You know, Satan will oppose it. He'll fight back. Uh, if, we make, if we're not making any uh, headway, he's not bothered, is he? You know, we'll just let you carry on. But as soon as we start making any inroads into his territory, we will get the opposition. So what do we do? Verse 9 tells us, didn't it? It says, they prayed and posted to God night and day. Now you can put that two ways, can't you? Did they pray night and day? And did they uh, post a guard night and day as well? Whatever we do, you know, we need to keep praying, don't we? Uh, and that's something we, do, we can do. We can watch others back, each other's back. When people are going through difficult times, uh, we can pray for them. We can be that support to them. As the threat progressed, the workforce changed, didn't it? Where they, before they were all doing the building work, as the enemy came in and started to cause problems, half the people did the manual work, while the other half kept guard. And even the ones that were doing the manual work had got the sword on by the side, hadn't they? We're not all going to be on the front line all of the time, are we? And it wouldn't work if we were, would it? If we were all fighting all the time, uh, we'd all get tired, wouldn't we? Half the people did the manual work, while the other half kept God. And we're not all, all going to be doing that physical thing, are we? We're not all going to be physically engaged, but where we're not, we can be, give the protection for those that are. We can pray for them, we can support them, just come alongside them. Uh, when things have got difficult, we can sort of just come along and, and help them out, you know, just perhaps give them a, a couple of hours of, of help. In, what they're, in the work that they're doing. We need to support and encourage them when the things get difficult, don't they? And finally, see, early day today. I said finally twice, haven't I? See, sign, sign of uh, a preacher, that is, isn't it? We already mentioned in a couple of weeks we're going to be having the AGM. Now, there should be a cheer there. You should be looking forward to the AGM. As well as looking back over the last year, which, as you all know, we didn't do a great deal. Uh, we weren't in the church and a lot of things uh, had to stop. Uh, Pastor Simon will be bringing plans for where we're going from now on. Or what, uh, what we believe as a leadership God is, is moving us into. And COVID caused a stop to most of the work that was going on in the church, didn't it? Uh, but now we're in a position where we need to start again, we need to rebuild, we need to restart what was taken away. And as I said before, each one of us has got a role in the rebuilding. 
It might not be what we were doing before. You, know, you might have been the goldsmith, but now you're the bricklayer. You, know, you might have been the, the perfume maker, but now you, you're mixing the cement. And you might have been a priest, giving the words and, and bringing the, uh, the, the spiritual side. But that doesn't mean that nobody else can do that as well. You know? God's got to work for each and every one of us. God might have something new for us. And as I close this morning, I just encourage you, be open and willing to what needs to be done. Be open and willing to what God's saying to you. You know, spend time listening. Spend your time in his presence, hearing what God's saying for what the future is going to be in Hope Church. Amen. We're going to close there. I'm just going to pray. And that's God's blessing upon you. And then you can all go home for an early dinner. Father, I just thank you for these folks here this morning. I thank you that you care about each and every one of us. I thank you that you've kept us through uh, these last uh, 18 months of difficult times. And now, Lord, as, as we move forward, I just pray that you'll be a real blessing to each and every one. You know all of the needs. You know all of the difficulties that different ones face. But I pray that you'll speak into each heart. I pray a real blessing upon everyone, that you'll uh, speak directly into their hearts and their spirits. Give them uh, physical power where they perhaps feel weak. Lord, build them up where they feel, feel tired. Uh, but Lord, we pray that you will just move us on in you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.